Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. And I want to give a special shout out to John and Mary Alta Bixel. Talked to John this morning in Arizona, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Mary Alta, but Mary Alta, thank you so much for all your notes on Revelation. She did lots of studies and teachings on Revelation uh, with different uh, groups. And so uh, I'm using a lot of your notes. So thank you, Mary Alta and John, and miss you guys. So uh, today we are in Revelation 15. We're going to do Revelation 15, and the title is On the Edge of Our Seats. On the Edge of Our Seats. I love to read books, love books, but I love the ones that are really so good that you can't put down. Those are the ones I love. You just can't put the book down. You want to see what's going to happen next. That's when you know you have a good book in your hands. And certain TV shows do the same thing. Uh, nowadays, it's reality TV. Kids are watching, or people, kids are watching reality shows and they want to see what's going to happen next. And and I don't have any time for that. I have too much reality in my own life. And I saw my kids watching a reality show about a big family. And I said, what are you watching it for? We have more kids than that. You don't have to watch it on TV. We live that, you know. It's like, oh, hello. So anyway, uh, you know, but when, when you just can't put a book down or you just can't wait for the next show, that's when it's really fun on the edge of your seat. And what we see here in Revelation 15 is all about that very thing. This is the shortest chapter in Revelation, but it's meant to keep us on the edge of our seats to get us excited. What's next? What's next? Keep reading. What's next? The Holy Spirit wrote, the Holy Spirit moved John, the Apostle John, to write in such a way to grip the reader's attention here, to grab their attention, to pump up their expectation. This is really get ready for the climax of the book of Revelation. That's what 15 is really preparing for the climax. It's the middle of the great tribulation. The Antichrist has taken over the planet. The, he is persecuting the, the, uh, any Christian that he can find. And, and, and he has the, the land of Israel is on the ropes. He's got them on the ropes. Everything is going crazy. And then look what happens here. We're going to see what happens here. As seven angels with seven bowls show up on the scene. What's in them? You're going to find out. Wait till next chapter 16. We're going to see what's in them. What is going to God, what is God going to do next? This is like that, that part of the movie where da, 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 you know, the music's playing and you're just waiting, waiting, waiting to see what's going to happen. And, and that's what we're going to see happen. Chapter 16, we're going to see the final bowl judgments begin. Uh, four, at least four of them are in 16. Then in 17, the one world church is judged, judged by God. Then in 18, the one world government and one world economy it take, is hit by God. And we see all this being set up even now. In fact, uh, just read a news story here. I'll just pull it out here. The, the Great Reset, this is just uh, in the, the Blaze news, state, news source, The Blaze by Glenn Black. Glenn Beck, say that ten times fast. The Great Reset is about to become the, become the law in Europe and America could become next. Citing concerns over climate change and the golden opportunity for societal change created by COVID-19 pandemic, the World Economic Forum launched in June 2020 a radical reset initiative in partnership with various leaders from the public and private sectors. CEOs of major corporations as well as banks, central banks, financial institutions, labor unions, blah, 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 government leaders including John Kerry, the Biden administration's climate czar, quickly sign on to the plan which pledges to push the reset button on the global economy. As the World, Econ World Economic Forward had 
forum head Klaus Schwab wrote in an op-ed, op-ed, sorry, I'm reading this fast, uh, with one eye still, <laughs> op-ed about the Great Reset set published in June. He said the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our society and economies from education to societal contracts and working conditions. Every country from the United States to China must participate and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. Supporters of the Great Reset aim to alter the global economy through two different strategy, reform strategies. The first is to create a variety of new government programs, including policies similar to the far-left Green New Deal resolution proposed in 2019 by AOC and Bernie Sanders. The second, even more far-reaching part of the Great Reset is the widespread adoption of environmental, societal, and government Standards which change the way businesses are evaluated under an ESG model. Companies are not only rated using traditional metrics such as revenue and the quality of goods. Oh no, we couldn't use that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but also on a variety of social justice metrics such as their carbon footprint. John Kerry flying around on his private jet is measuring this. Air quality of a, I, I added that. Air quality of a business supply chain and having the right ratio of Asians to Hispanics working in the company, among many other factors. Yes, you are hearing this. Thousands of companies have already adopted ESG standards around the world, including an estimated 82% of large companies in the United States. And to this point, they have done so voluntarily. You get the point here. Uh, It's all money. They're saying how much money is involved and blah, blah, blah. But this, this reset is really preparing the groundwork. And this is the real issue. Preparing the groundwork for a one world economy run by a one world government. Morally over overseen by a one world religion okay it's all being set up but god is going to judge us in revelation 18 he's going to bam had enough of this enough of this stuff uh chapter 19 to 21 after the the judgments jesus christ returns everything's positive hang on we're going to get to chapter 19 in a couple of weeks all right so hang on but let's pray first father just thank you that we have your word we're not caught off guard by the craziness out there, by the insanity, by the delusions, by the lies, by the deception. We're not being caught up by that. I pray that everyone listening, watching this, would would their eyes would be open, their hearts would be open. They would be in the Word and would be able to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Everything would have to go through your Word before they'll accept it, believe it, act on it. Lord, I pray that every person would be prepared for what is coming. I pray that, and most important, that they would put their faith in Jesus. Put their faith in Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit. Have their eyes open. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's uh, read the chapter first of all. Revelation 15, and there's eight verses here. And I'm going to try to do this with one eye again. Here we go. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with the seven last plagues. Last because with them God's wrath is completed. Woo! And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire and standing beside the sea. Those who had been victorious over the beast and his 
image and over the number of his name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of ages of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked in, in and in heaven the the temple. That is, the tabernacle of the testimony was open. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chest. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed." Woo! We'll see chapter 16, what that's all about. So, we see first of all, verse 1, the great sign. I'm going to read it again. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with seven last plagues. Last because with them God's wrath is completed. And uh, so then, in, uh, so first of all, the, the sign, we see the sign. The, the word sign is used 77 times in the New Testament. It's a symbol. It means a picture, a prophetic event that we have to watch for that conveys a very important spiritual truth. And signs point beyond themselves to something much deeper, a much deeper meaning. If you're driving down the road around a mountain curve and you see a sign that says falling rocks, that's a warning. That means it it, it points beyond that sign. It says there's rocks falling. And that's what this is, a a sign. It says, watch out. This is what's going to come crashing down right here. Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, Jesus talked about the signs of the end times when he was getting ready to come back again. And we must learn to recognize and understand. If you didn't hear the beginning of our prophetic series, the the end time series the the getting ready for Jesus to come again making sense of this crazy world if you weren't there at the beginning Mark 13 Matthew 24 go back and listen to those start there uh, but we have to learn to understand we have to read our Bible watch the news and read our Bible at the same time be connecting the dots constantly connecting the dots that's why it's so important to be in the Word and the sign here in Revelation 15 is a climax. It's the climax of God's wrath, God's judgment on the earth and those who have turned against him. It started back in Babel. The Tower of Babel was stopped. Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, but even before that, the Babel, then the flood. The flood wiped out almost everybody and everything. Then then came Sodom and Gomorrah. And then Daniel and the four kingdoms. The judgment in the four kingdoms. And then the judgment in Jerusalem. And you can trace it all through the Bible, the different judgments. But this here is the final judgment. Seven of them, seven angels with seven plagues, very similar to Exodus in Egypt, what happened to Egypt. It's, it, there's a parallel to Exodus. Wait till we see it. There's so many uh, parallels in, in chapter 16 when we get there next time. Uh, he, and the idea here, just like with Exodus, the idea here in, in Revelation is God punishes the oppressors of his people and he liberates his chosen people. He liberates his people. That's what it's all about. So we're gonna, we're gonna jump to verse 5. We're gonna come back to 2, 3, and 4. Let's jump to verse 5 when we look at, talking about the signs still and what is happening here. In verse 5, after this I looked in, 
and in heaven, the temple, that is the tabernacle of the testimony, was open. Once again, everything we see on earth, the temple, all the, the, are just models. The temple, the tabernacle, just replicas of what is in heaven. Okay, there, it's already in heaven. Much bigger, much more awesome, but it's given us a picture of what is going on in heaven. Okay, verse 6, where it says, uh, out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. So seven angels come out of the temple, with each with a plague. So there's seven angels and seven plagues here. Verse 7. Verse 7. Then one of the four living creatures. Remember our worship leaders, those those very unique worship leaders in heaven. The, one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The priests in the temple on earth use bowls for worship. Here in heaven, the angels are are given each a bowl, a golden bowl, but it's filled with God's wrath. Each bowl is filled with wrath. What will it be? Wait till we get to Revelation 16 next time. Woo! You won't want to miss that one. Then in verse 8, look what, what else is happening. In the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So we see the smoke, the smoke. And what is that smoke? That is God's presence. It represents God's presence. We see the same thing in the earthly temple, Second Chronicles chapter 7, when, they de- when Solomon's temple was dedicated. Listen, it says, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. They could not go into that earthly temple because the glory of the Lord was filling it. And here we see the same thing, the smoke of God's presence, the glory of of God was was in the heavenly temple here in the book of Revelation and no one could enter until the seven judgments were finished, which are the second half of the great tribulation. Three and a half years. For three and a half years, no living creature could enter that temple. No living creature, no created being could see God in his temple. Couldn't see him. He was hidden from every created being during this last three and a half years. Wow. 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 God's hiding out for three and a half years. Why? Because this is a time of judgment. This is a time of no mercy. He doesn't want to see anyone. He doesn't want to be reminded about who he's wiping out on that earth. It's God alone and his holiness pouring out his wrath. So, and, and so many people think that God is mean. But he created these human creatures. He created us with a free will. He gave us the choice. We can choose to follow him or follow Satan. And everyone left on earth except for the chosen here with the mark of God on their forehead and and the, the remnant of Jews that were being set aside for God, that everyone else had chosen on earth to follow Satan. And the holy law, God's holy justice, his holy law demands that each of them must pay the price in hell. Hell was prepared for Satan and his angels, but because Satan got the, the humans, uh, the mankind to follow him in, in evil, that the, all that chose to follow him must also spend eternity in hell with Satan. And, but, but God 
the whole, but God sent his son Jesus because he didn't want us to go to hell. God sent his son Jesus to die for us, to pay the price, to die on a cross, to make a way for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves us so much that that's why he sent his son Jesus. But we have to choose Jesus. We have to choose Jesus. God does not want us to die. He doesn't want us to go to hell. Ezekiel 33.11 gives us a glimpse of what God is going through in this last three and a half years as he has to pour out his final judgment. 33.11 where it says, Say to them, As surely as the Sovereign Lord lives, declares the Sovereign Lord. No, I'm sorry. Once again, one eye. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn. Turn from your wicked ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? God says, I take no pleasure in killing someone. I take no pleasure in throwing somebody in hell. I want you to live. I want you to choose life. I want you to choose me. We have that decision to make. That gives a clue of what he's going through. God gave us a free will and many choose death and that pains God. Only a parent with a prodigal can really understand how the pain that God goes through. The story of the prodigal is the story of God the Father and a son that, that had run away from him, had left him, left the relationship with him, was living in a pig pen. It's a picture of all who have rejected Jesus and how they live. And only someone who has had a prodigal knows the pain of what God is going through here in the temple as he prepares to cast the, the majority of those, the billions of, on earth into hell for eternity. Only those who have a, a prodigal knows the, that pain. But, but some of you, I know we, uh, and some of you know what it's like to have the pain of a prodigal who can no longer come home. In the Bible, the prodigal son came home. But think of the pain when a prodigal can't come home. It's too late. It's too late. I know that pain. It's, it's un, unthinkable pain. And that's a picture here, a reality here in Revelation. It will be a brutal, brutal time when the, the prodigals no longer have that chance. But just like the book of Exodus, the plagues that God is sending have a positive side too. They're just like in Exodus, the plagues liberated God's people. Here in Revelation, once again, we see that that's liberation for God's people. It's judging those who have turned their back on God, the wicked, the evil, turn, uh, the vast majority of mankind, humans, uh, on earth are gonna, you know, be wiped out and gonna go to hell. But, but the, the end result of this horrible time is it's gonna be a time of liberation for his people. Let's come back to verse 2. Verse 2 in, in Revelation 15. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire and standing beside the sea those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name they held harps given well, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, well, I'll just I'll stop right there verse 2 uh, the victors we see the victors here there, there's a sea of fiery glass a sea of fiery glass this is a, found its counterpart in Exodus with the Red Sea. 
the Red Sea, Exodus and the Red Sea. And just as the Israelites were delivered from Pharaoh and his, his anger, Pharaoh's army at the Red Sea, here we see the saints are delivered from the Antichrist. The Pharaoh was a picture of the Antichrist, delivered from the Antichrist and his fiery tribulation that he was putting them through. And the, the believers are victorious here in Revelation. They're victorious over the beast, the Antichrist. They're victorious over his image. They didn't worship it. And they're victorious over the number they refused to receive his vaccination. I mean, I mean, his number. Refused to <laughs> receive his number. They were all given <clears throat> new guitars. <laughs> Harps are just, you know, just tip them over and they're a guitar. They're all given guitars to play. I remember uh, how, how exciting this is going to be for all the worship leaders. I remember our, our original worship leader at New Hope Community Church, Chris Geller, and he loved guitars. We, we gave him one as a going away present when they uh, moved on. But Chris, uh, I remember him saying, uh, how many guitars do you need? Always one more. <laughs> I heard him saying that. You always need one more. Everybody wants, well, so he'll be happy because he's going to get his one more here in heaven. But we'll all be given one, right? And verses 3 and 4 says they sang a new song. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. The song of the Lamb. Once again, connecting the Exodus to the New Testament and the book of Revelation and Jesus Christ, it's all connected. God's victory over his enemies. Just as in Exodus, they had victory over their enemies at the Red Sea. They have victory over their enemies here. And they sing this song, Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Now, when they, when the, when when the Red Sea came in and drowned the Egyptian army, they, the song of Moses, they're talking about the song of Moses here, the song of Moses was, uh, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider has he thrown into the sea. Remember that one? Uh, Exodus, I think I actually sang that last time. Exodus 15, 1 and 2, The Lord is God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. All right, and they keep going, going, going. I love that song. Anyway, Exodus 15, 1 and 2 is a song. But here, notice it's, it's, it's the same theme, but it's even more intense now here because now it's the song of the Lamb too. And the song of the Lamb is also a song of victory. Just like the song of Moses, the song of the Lamb is the victory that God has delivered His people. And this time, the song of the Lamb is God has delivered His people from their ultimate enemy, from Satan, His Antichrist, the false prophet, the ultimate enemy, delivered us from death, from sin, from the world, delivered us completely. Now, there is one small minor difference from the Exodus. Yes, it's a song of victory both places, Exodus 15 and, and here in Revelation 15. It's a, it's a song of victory, yes, but the difference here is that the people are dead. <laughs> They're dead. The Israelites were standing on the beach in Exodus 15 singing their song. They were rescued. They were pumped up. But in Revelation 15, these saints are in heaven. They're in heaven. How did they get to heaven? They came out of the tribulation. They were killed. They were martyrs. That, how is that victory? You know, you could see how the Israelites had a victory, but how is this victory for, for these people? Because, because it's God's perspective. Yes, the Antichrist 
have them killed, thinks he's winning, but he's really losing. Because where are the, 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 the losers going? They're going to heaven. <laughs> That's where we're going. We, we're, we're spending eternal life in heaven. We have an eternal reward. And, and it's not talking about 70 virgins because you blew yourself up with a bomb. No, no, no. The, the reward is spending eternity with Jesus Christ. That is the reward of a true believer. And, and death, from a human's perspective, is loss. It's losing. But for those who are Christians, death is not a loss. It's a victory. It's a victory. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, and i got to look this up. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about this very thing, what death really is for us. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I forgot to mark one here. Uh, uh, 54, where it says, Ah, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the thing that was written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Victory. That, that, that is what has happened. Uh, I think I'm going to read a few more here. Yeah, I'm going to keep going a little bit. Uh, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15:56. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory. <clears throat> we have victory. Death is not the end. You see, I see so many people terrified. I've been talking about this a lot with COVID, terrified of COVID, even though the percentage of people dying of COVID is way less than 1%. Way less. But, but still, people are terrified by it. I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful, you know, wash your hands and well, that's as far as I'll go. But anyway, I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful and be respectful, but, but it's not something we should be terrified. Why? Not because we're not afraid of COVID, not because it could be dangerous for us, but because we, we have a hope. We know we have eternal life. We don't have to be afraid. Should we be careful? Sure. Should we be careful? Sure. But should we live in fear? Hide in our houses? You know? Uh, should we do that? No. We don't have to be in total fear. Why? Because, like I said to everybody who's afraid, and a lot of people come to me, Pastor Chuck, I'm just terrified. I'm paralyzed with fear of COVID. I said, what's the worst that could happen? I could die. I always say, no! That's not the worst that can happen. Aren't you a Christian? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Then where are you going to go after you die? Heaven? Then that's the best that can happen to you. <laughs> so it, it's not the worst that could happen is you die without knowing Jesus Christ. The worst it could, is to live a hundred years here or two hundred years here without Jesus Christ. That's the worst that can happen. The, the best that can happen is for a Christian to die. Doesn't mean we should take, have a death wish. Doesn't mean we should be, not be careful. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't be respectful. You know, the best that we can do without being delusional with the whole COVID thing. But, but it's not the worst. We don't have to be afraid of dying. And, and, and because for so many without Jesus Christ, death is horrible. It's the worst. I've been to a lot of funerals for non-Christians. It's hopeless. It's horrible. I don't ever want to go to one again. But you go to a Christian funeral, somebody who died in Jesus Christ, and there's sadness, of course we grieve, but there's hope and there's a joy and there's a peace because for the Christian, it's just the start. It's just the start. We don't have to live in fear. Don't have to live in fear. I'm not saying be irresponsible, but we don't have to live in fear. Do you have that hope? 
Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? God the Father has taken His wrath and put it on His Son so that we wouldn't have to experience it. We don't have to experience God's wrath here in in Revelation. We don't have to experience His wrath if we die before we get to the time of Revelation. We don't have to experience His wrath for eternity. We don't have to experience it if we will put our faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. If we will put our faith in Him, give our life to Jesus Christ, turn away from our sin and ask for forgiveness, if we will do that, we are given eternal life in Jesus Christ. But if we choose not to do it, if we choose not to do that, the verse 36, just a few verses after 3.16, John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. If you don't choose to put your faith in Jesus, you are choosing not to do that. And God's wrath is on you for all of eternity. That's a choice you have to make. A choice. I hope every person listening to this, hearing this, will put their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you a chance in just a moment. We're going to pray in just a minute. Moment. We also talked about reading the signs. It's so important to read God's Word daily and, and be watching the news and, and listening to the news and reading God's Word. Keep an eye, one eye on the Bible and one eye on, on the current events. Very, very important to do that uh, because we got to see the signs of what God is doing. And also in our daily lives, our own personal lives, we can see God work It's no accident that you are hearing this sermon right now. You may have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, but it is no accident that you are hearing this right this very moment. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God has orchestrated you to hear, for you to hear the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. It's no accident you are hearing the gospel and the good news. Will you respond to it? And for Christians, it's no, once again, we believe there's no coincidences. There's no such thing as coinkadinks. Remember that one? Uh, No coinkadinks. Those who are older can look back. It's no accident you're hearing this message. Those of us who are older, uh, we can look back at our life and it's unmistakable. We can see God's providence. We can see God's hand at work in our life. God has a purpose for our lives. And as we're in His Word, as we're in prayer, as we're in fellowship, as we're living in His will, we will see the signs of God's leading in our lives. Every day you're going to see it. It's unmistakable. And, and some of you might be thinking, I know what some of you are thinking, yeah, but, but I already made a mess of my life. I've totally screwed up. I've made a mess of my life. I've made mistakes. I lived in rebellion against God, even as a Christian. It's too late for me. It's too late for God to do, bring anything good, good out of my life. Wrong. It is never too late. Look at the thief on the cross. <laughs> it's never too late. It's never too late. God loves to turn defeat into victory. Remember the martyrs here? He loves to take defeat and turn it into victory. God is a junk artist. He can take any junk in your life, any garbage in your life, and He will turn that junk into something beautiful if you will surrender your life and junk and all to Him. You have to surrender it to Him. Let Him do His thing. It may be salvation. Maybe your life is a complete mess, but you can give that life to God today and be saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It might be sanctification. Maybe you're a Christian and you wasted many years and a lot of your life is so messed up. But guess what? Surrender that junk to God today. Watch and see what He can do. It may not be what it was going to be, but 
it's going to be something beautiful still. Somehow God is going to bring something. What Surrender it. Say, God, whatever it takes, I'm giving it to you. Whoever I have to talk to to get freedom and to break these, this cycle of sin and strongholds in my life, whatever I have, whoever I have to talk to, commit to talking to someone, I will do it. I'm going to give it to God because if you do that, you have God's promise. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, get that, not in some things, not in good things, no, in all things, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God can work it all out for his good. He has the power to do that if you will surrender your life to him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that each person who's hearing this is on the edge of their seat spiritually, ready to to see what you're going to do in our life next, ready to surrender our life to you and let 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 you work and, and just can't wait to see what you're going to do in our life, how you're going to work in a, an amazing, miraculous, life-changing, transforming way. For those who are hearing this or seeing this right now, who have never put their faith in Jesus, never given their life to Him, never acted on John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can do that now. You can put your faith in Jesus now. You can give your life to Jesus now. You can have life this very second the simple but powerful prayer of faith. God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I believe he died on that cross for me so that I could be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead for me so that I could have a brand new life. Rewind this five or six times so you heard that. I believe he died on the cross so I could be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead so that I could live a brand new life in Jesus Christ. I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus. If you have done that, Something unbelievable, amazing, powerful, life-changing has happened to you. The Holy Spirit has come inside of you. You are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. Your sin has been washed away. You have been recreated into a brand new person in Jesus Christ, in the image of Jesus. You are now a child of God. You are under the blood of Jesus Christ. A new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. I want you to commit to telling somebody. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's a Christian. Maybe you know of a, somebody at work, school, on your team, men college, somewhere. Let them know so they, they can be excited for you and help you grow. You've got to get plugged in. You've got to grow. You're a baby Christian. You've got to grow. And if you have anybody to tell, then tell me. Chuck Wilson, I'm at nhcc at comcast.net. nhcc at comcast.net. And for those who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit convicting us? How is the Holy Spirit convicting us? You may have given up. 
You may have given up on something. But today you get back on the horse. <laughs> We're going to be riding horses following Jesus. Wait till we get to Revelation 19. Better get back on that horse. And, and give God control. Surrender your life once again. Daily come to Him for His mercy and grace. Come to the throne of grace for God's mercy and grace daily. Tell somebody, another Christian, a Christian counselor, a pastor, text, email me, nhcc at comcast.net. We'll find someone that will persevere and help you and walk through your, your, your battles and help you reach your potential in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that every one of us, every one of us would know the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Every one of us would know salvation and sanctification. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you better be saved. You better pray that prayer. You better be saved. You better be ready because we're going to go to Revelation 16 and it's going to be hot. You don't want to enter Revelation 16 without being a follower of Jesus Christ. When this happens on this earth and it's all being set up now, you better have the Holy Spirit inside of you. All right? God bless.